When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Factor and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, OU stuff. We talked the resignation of Kale Gundy and the National College Football Roundup. We discussed the USA Today coaches poll, the Big Ten's new media rights deal, and the unfortunate news about Sam Hartman. And then we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, August 10th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming, promotions, and entertainment options in the month of August, visit riverwind.com. Go gamble at Riverwind, people. Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. Now, recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, normally, we come on here, we try to have as much fun as possible. We try to be as entertaining as possible. But with with what's gone on over these last couple of days, this one, just, just putting the rundown together for this one felt a little different. Yeah, it's... It's going to be a little bit heavier than we typically want um, when it comes to the overall feeling of the of the podcast. But you know what? When these things come along, you got to talk about them. And uh, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. So let's do it. So I, I think I think it's it's important to acknowledge, you know, be, before we really dive into this conversation, that. You and I have both known Kale Gundy for a really long time, and he's our friend. So this is clearly personal for us. Not only did we play for him, but we've had a relationship with him afterwards, you know, with our role with OU football since we got done playing. And so that that makes this very tough 
for for the both of us. I also think it is important to acknowledge that you're a 40-year-old white guy, I'm a 31-year-old white guy, and we we don't have experience with how that word affects black people emotionally, mentally when when a white person says it in front of them. So I, I think both of those just up front, it, it's important to acknowledge both of those things. But man, this whole situation sucks. I well, I we can we can go through all of it and we will, but this whole thing sucks, man. Yeah. There's in, in the Coach Stoops came on my radio show yesterday and he's always awesome to have on whenever stuff like this comes around because just you get a different perspective and he he just kind of levels everything out whenever everyone's emotional he's he's like the uh the voice you kind of need to hear and i thought one of the things that he he mentioned is absolutely right it's it's a terrible situation there is no good side of it so like that's one thing as a fan base and as as people that support the program, we got to do is stop picking sides because it's it's not a it's not a this side or that side type of situation. There is no good side. The whole situation is bad, so we we just got to absorb it and unfortunately gear up to move on. Right. By now, everyone knows uh, what happened, but it's. It's important to go through uh, what went down. So I believe Friday is when is when this happened. And in a film session, uh, a player wasn't locked in. By the way, I, th- there seems to be a small faction of people that really want to know what player it is. Please stop trying to find that information out. What What good? Ask yourself, what good? would come from fans knowing what player it was. What if you if you care about these young men, and I understand a lot of people care about Kale Gundy. I understand that. But nothing good comes from people exposing what player it was. I, I, I unless unless you feel differently to I I I don't understand people that are trying to do that. Why nope. they're trying to do it. Here's the other thing. Well, whenever something like this happens, you want a you want to be able to just like find the 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 origin of the whole thing, right? And and try and lay the blame there. But here's the thing. This is another great thing that Coach Stoop said yesterday. Whoever the player is, not the first player to not be paying attention, lock in, and focused in meetings. Not the last player that's going to be not focused or not locked into meetings. I uh, that's it's just something that you come across. It that is not the factor in this whole situation. It's not. So all that does is is boil up emotions even more than they need to be, and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You can't you can't look at that and say. Uh, that's the reason this whole thing went down. That happens every day in every meeting room, at every facility, at every level in the country whenever it comes to football. 
So you can't just take that situation and say, this is why it all happened. Right. So uh, player not locked in in a meeting. Kale asks him a question about a route concept. Now, of course, you're supposed to have your notes pulled up. You're supposed to be paying attention. And player did not have his notes pulled up on his iPad like he's supposed to when they're going through this stuff. Couldn't answer the question Kale was asking him. Uh, clearly, Kale was not a fan of that. Grabs the iPad, read from the screen, and said a word that you just cannot say twice uh, reading off the screen. Immediately realized he made a huge mistake. But, Ted, from the players, the current players that I've talked to, it, it really seemed like they had worked through it as a team. I had very long team meeting about it. Guys, you know, express their feelings. Uh, I was told that, you know, some of the veteran players, you know, some of the veteran black players on the team were able to talk to Gundy individually about their experiences uh, with that word and how it has affected their lives. And I was told that these were really, really positive and constructive productive conversations and that the vast, vast majority of players wanted Kale Gundy to stay, but ultimately he, he issues a resignation. Brent Venables accepts it on, on Sunday night. And it seems like this, this was just a guy that has dedicated his life to OU realizing that, this could be a distraction moving forward and that the best thing for the program was for him, him to resign. And it just, uh, the entire thing is just so unfortunate. It is. Well, you know, whenever you hear that the vast, vast majority of the team was, um, you know, felt like whatever the the original situation how it went down and how it was handled was good and but here's the thing like what is the vast majority and how many how many is it okay to have not be all right with the situation right, right? right. i mean if it's if it's five players if it's two players if it's one colleague on the staff, if it's, you know, like th that's the problem with this deal. Um, I, and that's, that's only the surface of it. You, you also got to talk about like how it affects the view of the program, how it's used against the program. I, uh, it, it, if you're out on the recruiting trail, uh, how many houses can you not go in? Because like, we know the history, we know what you've done. You're not welcome here. It's just, that's the unfortunate reality of the situation. And I know there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, now hang on here. Look at the track record, right? Look at the, look at the situation. Is, does this really fit what went on here? And unfortunately it does because it, it has untold impact. You you can't you can't even put your finger on on the impact that it has. So, 
it's just tough. I hate that. I hate that this happened for Kale, which, you know, here's the thing. I don't think this changes his legacy here. I don't think this changes what people think about him, what his players think about him. I don't think, I hope this doesn't affect uh, how welcome he is to still be a part of the program, still be around. Um, You know, it's just one of those things that this is the consequence of this thing, you know, and I hate it for Venables that this early on, like not even this early on that ever you have to make a, uh, a decision like this or deal with a situation like this. Um, it's brutal. It's brutal on everyone involved. And I know it was not easy for everyone up there and it was extremely emotional around that facility after this thing took place for a bunch of different reasons, emotions all over the place, you know, guys feeling different, different ways about it, but just, it's just brutal. Hate it for everyone involved. And that's, that kind of goes back to what I was saying, what that coach Stoops talked about. There is no good side. So there's no point in trying to pick sides here. Yeah. And I, I think that clearly, you know, you feel for kale, you fear for his family. Like the guy has dedicated his life to OU football, but I think it's important for for people to to not lose sight of being concerned about the the players that went through this experience. Right? I mean, you you don't walk into the facility expecting to deal with that. You know? Yeah. You you just don't. So uh, I understand I I understand people that are that feel for Kale. I am one of them. But you also got to remember there's a there's a bunch of young black men that had to go through a couple of days of this. That that couldn't have been easy. And those those who have been around Kale Gundy knows what he's about. We know what he's about. He made a terrible mistake. He he had he had to have better judgment in that moment. I mean that's that bottom line. You have to have better judgment in that moment. Uh, I don't care how upset you are with a player not paying attention, but it it was it was nice because let's let's be real. There was a really strong reaction from the fans, which is. What I am guessing was the the reason for BV putting out that second statement, where right. he said, you know, where he said he said multiple times. I, I'm I'm going to be honest. I did not love the way that that statement read. I, I I did not like how that painted the situation, and I, I understand why BV had to do it because there was such backlash coming from the fan base he had to make it clear like hey this is something that had to happen like kale resigned for a reason because it was the right thing to do i understand why that but it it caused this reaction and and it almost you you, and i know that twitter is not the real world but all these people saying oh there's more to this like kale gundy's just throwing this word around like that's everyone that knows the man knows that's not the case i i if you're looking for any positive at all in this thing, which there's really not any positive, 
it was it was nice to see so many former players putting their thoughts out about Kale Gundy. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether that's Adrian Peterson, Joe Mixon, Mark Clayton, among others. Like a lot of people may not realize Joe Mixon makes the worst mistake of his life, right? As a what an 18-year-old kid. Who does he call in the middle of the night when he's freaking out? and thinking he just ruined his entire life, he calls Kale Gundy, and Kale Gundy goes and gets it. Kale has, he coaches hard, man. There's times where, and you and I both experienced, like, there's times where he's not a fun guy to play for. He's so demanding. But he, he treats these guys like family. And out of all the coaches I've been around, Especially, and it, it has partly to do with you know him being the wide receivers or running backs coach, stuff like that. But when you talk to former black players like the guys I played with, Gundy's the one that keeps them in the loop, man. He he's the one that keeps that connection with the former players. And that's just that's another reason why I think you saw so many, so many guys voicing their support for him, but I I know that there, there, there's a lot to unpack with this whole situation, how it affects Gundy, how it affected those players. You know, there's people that want to debate, you know, what, what actually happened? Who was he forced to resign? All of this stuff. And, and I think that that all really doesn't matter, man. It, it, it's happened. And as cold blooded as it sounds like, now it's time to, to move on. Yeah, and I know I keep saying this, but I feel like it's the most important thing in the whole situation, as far as as far as fans are concerned. And uh, you mentioned all of all of the players, Adrian Peterson, Joe Mixon, coming out in in support of Kel Gundy. You can fully support and stand by Coach Gundy. And I encourage that. But that does not mean you stand against the program and against Coach Venables. You know what I'm saying? And it goes back to the picking sides thing. You can stand next to Coach Gundy and say that, look at the track record, look at the history, look at how loved he is by, by his players, look how they're coming out around him. You can do that and still stand with the program, stand with Coach Venables, knowing that like, this is the this this is the circumstances that you're dealt with, and this is the consequence of that action. Like that's it. You do not have to. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And I feel like everyone's kind of getting. As, as emotional it's become, it's like you've got to say, well, I'm with Gundy, uh, you know, against the, the university and he gets how this whole thing went down or I'm with the program. It, it, it does not have to be that way and it shouldn't be that way. That's that's the truth. Like it, both can be true. Right? It, Kale Gundy has been. He has been just such a such a pillar of this program 
right? Even going back to when he was playing quarterback in the nineties, right? But you, you can acknowledge that he is a great football coach is a great man is a great recruiter. Like you can acknowledge all of those things, right? You can, you can talk about the intention of, of the situation and that he didn't have malice or anything like that. You can acknowledge all of the positive things about Kale Gundy while also acknowledging that he made a horrible mistake and that his resignation was probably what had to happen. That's the consequence of the mistake he made. Those two things, you can you can view those two things as true. So, yeah, I... And that's the... That's one of the really frustrating parts about this is everything was going so well for Oklahoma football. But the the positive momentum, not just not just the recruiting stuff that we, you know, we've talked a lot about that was rolling, but just how unified the fan base felt. That that was it, it felt special to me. It felt unlike anything I'd experienced in a long, long time for OU fans and it feels like this has you know this is is really threatening that sense of unity among the fan base and my hope my and my, maybe my challenge to OU fans is that we all don't let that happen I, I know this whole thing sucks but we've got to we've got to continue to stick together and to support Brent Venables and the program. We we still all love Kale Gundy, man. We do. But moving forward, like you, this can't be something that divides this fan base. That's that's not that's not the type of investment the program needs. Right? The, the fans have been incredible since Venables would was hired incredible we we can't we can't let this derail that man we just can't well if there's if there's any positive which quickly on what what you're saying like i agree it has the the chance to to drive a wedge here but it also have has a chance to seriously i uh, galvanize the the team and the fan base even more right so hopefully that's the that's the result as we come out of this thing uh, the other the other factor is uh, timing seems horrible but it's actually like if this situation has to occur when it occurred is the best time for it to occur because the team is you know in training camp right now as insulated as they're going to be from the media, from the fan base the entire year with training camp. I mean, yeah. you're from, in that from mode. the student body, right? From the student body, from, from just everything you're in that mode. Um, plus you've got to have an interim wide receiver coach and LaDamian Washington is taken over and ends up getting the entire camp to settle into that role if you can settle into it whenever it just is thrust upon you like that. So as bad as this whole situation is, it would have been even a hundred times worse 
if it's in the middle of college football, the buzz, you got a game coming up that week, you know, the whole college football world would descend upon Norman, Oklahoma in a very vicious way. So the timing is actually like, not to say that anything about this is good, but you've got a proper amount of time to recover from it, put it behind you, focus, and hopefully by the time you're actually playing games that matter, you've put it behind it, grown, put it behind you, grown from it, regrouped as a football team, and and you're you're moving on and you're focused. Yeah, and the challenge for Venables now is to ensure that this team has the type of training camp they have to have to prepare to, you know, make a run at a big 12 championship and, and a possible college playoff berth, college football playoff berth. Like that's, that's not going to be easy, but I mean, he's been laying the foundation, you know, with the, with the things that he truly believes in, he's going to continue to operate the same way. And there, you mentioned there, there are real, football implications here. I I know that's not the most important thing, but that's just reality, right? And LaDamian Washington is an inexperienced coach who is now replacing a guy that had, what, if you count him as a GA, nearly 30 years of coaching experience and coaching experience in in some of the best offenses in the history of college football under Kevin Wilson. Coaching some of the best players in college football. And at so position groups. So this is th- maybe it feels like a daunting task for Ladamian Washington, but if he if I'm him, that's an opportunity, man. And I'll tell you this: that wide receiver room, it's Ladamian Washington, and now Matt Wells has slid in there. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about a guy with a lot of experience on the offensive side of the ball, a guy with a lot of experience dealing with different personalities as a head coach. Matt Wells is going to be a big help for LaDamian Washington. And from everything I've been told, LaDamian Washington is crushing it as the wide receivers coach. I mean, all kinds of energy, all kinds of enthusiasm. He has embraced this opportunity that that uh, it's an unfortunate it's unfortunate how it went down, but this is a massive opportunity for his career, right? He's interim He's got this training camp and likely this whole season to work that interim tag off, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. become wide receivers coach. So I, I think having a guy like Wells being able to, and I, I'm not trying to make it sound like Matt Wells is doing LeJamian Washington's job. He's not. But having a guy with that amount of experience in the room with you to to help, uh, to give advice, like I, I feel like that's a valuable valuable resource for LaDamian Washington, but it sounds like, sounds like he is, he's absolutely getting after it in this new role he's got. And I don't know him, but I am like just thrilled that he's getting this opportunity. When you check out his, his life story and his path, just amazing stuff. A uh, wide receiver there at Missouri. And, you know, I watched a video. Is it YouTube? You know, just kind of special that they did, I think, going into his senior year at Missouri on him. Just amazing. You know, he he 
he went through some some serious stuff as just a child uh losing both parents and you know just him and his brothers trying to to fight to make it um and you know he said because of that like he had serious like trust issues and didn't trust the guys at the program and never really thought that people were actually looking out for his best interest and you know, he, he took psychology because of that. Cause he wanted to learn what, like why, why he had the mindset that he did and eventually came around and, and opened up and, and realized that, you know, there are people out there that are trying to help him. The coaching staff's trying to help him. And once he kind of changed that mentality, he, he really just as a person and as a player took another step in life. It's just a, it's just a fascinating story. So Really cool to see him get this opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, a guy that played the position, right? So that's, yep. that always helps, right? It, for Comes whatever credibility. reason. Like whenever you're thrust into this role, it's really good to have some credibility that you played it and played it at a high level. Yeah, absolutely. So, man, this, it, it, it sounds, it sounds a little heartless, but now it's, it's time to move forward. It's time to move on. And it's time for this team to get ready to play some football. Uh, we we love Kale Gundy. Uh, I I don't think anyone is going to let this. Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be part of his legacy forever, right? But it is. I, I it's my hope that people will always acknowledge, you know, his, his contribution to Oklahoma football and and appreciate him for it. It's part of his story here it's not the only part of his story here it's just it's just a a a blip in the you know the the 20 plus year history that he has here like i said i i hope and i'm confident that his legacy here will will remain intact and people will still love him as a coach as a player an important part of the program yeah and there is, there is a recruiting element to it, right? Because Kale Gundy was the ace, man. Yeah. No one, no one could sell Oklahoma like Kale because he'd been living it for so long. Played there, coached there. You know, multiple coaches, all kinds of success, right? He he's seen, he's seen just about everything there's there is to see when it comes to Oklahoma football and, and OU. Right now, when you look at the 24-7 sports composite, the number six recruiting class in the country, and a couple of those guys, Jaquez Petaway, Keon Brown, some really highly ranked wide receivers that are currently committed. We'll see if, if this has any type of effect on, on what those young men are going to do when, when it comes to their college choice. But it does sound like LaDamian Washington has – I mean, it's not like he has been completely – uninvolved in recruiting like he he's a guy that played the position um he, he can relate to these guys now can he sell OU the way that Gundy did I guarantee you this he's gonna try yeah he's gonna try so I um I, I I'm interested to see what happens with a couple of those top prospects but and once again you, you just gotta you gotta have faith in what Venables is doing and how they're operating. So it's it's about believing in BV and, and believing in the direction of this program. So 
Well, it's again, this whole thing sucks, man. I'm so tired of talking about it. It's been an emotional, it's been an emotionally draining week already. I don't know about you, but how many interview requests have you gotten to talk about it? I've just, I've just stopped messaging people back. Zero. Damn it, Ted. No one wants to know what I have to, no one cares what I, I have to say, but no, I, I'm totally with you. It's been, it's been a, a, like this time of year, stuff like this comes up. Like there's a hot, usually it's like an injury or, you know, something has, like, this is not one of those things that you say, well, this comes with the territory, right? These are, these are the things that we're, we're here to discuss. Not a good one at all, but you know, like I said before, hopefully, you know, I mean, it's obviously been a big learning experience for everyone involved, fans, staff, players. Hopefully we're able to move on, avoid the, the fracturing nature of the situation and everyone continues to stay together, fully resolved us against the world uh, right now. Yeah. Okay. I, I, so, so we, we, we have recorded our interview with Josh Pate. We just, with the tone that this podcast was going to have to start out with, we're, we're going to save that for Monday's episode. And it's great. He's fantastic. He's the best. But so just so you know, if you were thinking, hey, where's Josh Pate? That's coming Monday. But I, there, there is some trading camp buzz. And oh, have I, we started football? Is, is, are we even, is that football, even happening? Football is being practiced right now. And hey, Thursday is when full pad starts. So we, we're starting to get into the, the real stuff. But, you know, just having conversations, clearly a bunch of, a bunch about the kale situation, but there's one name that keeps coming up when I'm having some of these conversations is like, Hey, this kid, he he's got something. Our Mason Thomas, I guess just twitchy man as a pass rusher. And we, we've talked a lot about where is the, where is the pass rush going to come from this group? And we've talked about strict, stripling and the the gains that Ethan Downs have made and maybe hey maybe it comes from the interior with Jalen Redmond who I'm also told is looking fantastic but I did not see R. Mason Thomas being one of the names that is that is flashing at the start of training camp but I had one person tell me he might be the most natural pass rusher they've got on the squad Ted so I I was like look at you go R. Mason first of all awesome name if that ends up being the case, awesome name for you and I to say on the radio broadcast. But yeah, dude, I'll be fully honest. Did not see that one coming. Sounds like a high-level attorney or something, doesn't yes. it? I, it's fantastic name. And at first, I'm like, who? Who's that? Didn't realize he was even on the team. But, you know, it's these these things happen every year. There's a name that pops up and you're like, who was? Say that again. Who? Let me let me go to the roster and check this i i've heard a lot of the same things and i've 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 heard that honestly both offensive line and defensive line like as a whole have played really well so far they once the pads went on i i would say and clearly the the o line and d line big question mark especially the o line going into camp 
it seems like they are, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised because that kind of sounds bad, but it seems like they're feeling maybe better than they thought they would about what it looks like along the line of scrimmage. Well, think about this. Um, Ethan Downs is defensive end, 270 plus. Reggie Grimes is 280 plus defensive end. Uh, Jalen Redman is 295 in shape. The motor is, is cooking. And so far, everyone has been just thrilled with the way that his summer went and camp has gone. Uh, Isaiah Coe is like 310 plus, strong as hell, playing with, with really good pad level and technique. Ellison has like totally changed his body, and they're just thrilled with the way that he's played. I mean, name after name after name coming up on the defensive line. They're going to be big. They're going to be physical. They're going to be detailed. They're not uh, going to be slanting every play. Not going to be slanting every play. I, I'm, I'm feeling really good. Clayton Smith, Edge, remember him from a year ago? A guy that everyone's like, I oh, don't know about his attitude. Put on over 20 pounds since like early spring and winter and he's playing really well. He was a high what he was the highest rated defensive player that we had in the previous class, I believe, or or one of the highest in just a bunch of guys on that defensive line and edge that have really impressed so far. Yeah, and that's huge. Now I, I think it's important. We've gotta we've gotta be reasonable here. I think we got a little too excited last season about this time, right? right? With everything we were being told about the defense, defensive line. Now, I think you and I, we both believe in this new scheme more than we believe in the last one. But I I want people to be excited, but I also want, want us to take a step back and say, okay, this is all sounding great but what is reasonable when it comes to expectations. So the one thing I will say when that depth chart comes out, I'm going to be smiling this time instead of going there too. Every time they'd put out the depth chart, Ted, I'd text you and say, what? <laughs> We're too small. We're too small. We're too light along the defensive line. Anytime we're looking at Phil, you're like, look how skinny his ass is. That's not good. <laughs> That's I, I don't want skinny asses. Skinny asses are not good along the defensive line. They're not good. And now it seems like there's going to be some bubble booties along that D-line. And that's what we need. There's some, there's some size, some mass. And I, I, I trust Todd Bates. I trust Miguel Chavis to get those guys coached up within that system, the Venables and Roof are running. So I, just like you, I'm very excited about what I'm hearing about the defensive front and the offensive front, honestly, but especially the defensive front. But I'm going to remain calm. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to remain calm. I, I'm excited to see it. I'll say that. I'm very excited to see what it looks like. There's one more thing that has me, well, there's several things defensively that have me excited. 
Right, we just talked about the size of the defensive line, right? Hey, there's a chance that on the second level, right, it, it, we the inside backer spot is going to be it, it's going to be interesting because they are they're getting the full wrath right now. Okay, they they are getting the full the full wrath of, of Venables. So uh, that group is probably going to be, I think they're going to be fine, but uh, <laughs> the narrative is always going to be coming out that they are way behind the, the eight ball, right? Like, like they, they need to get better need to get better fast. And that's, that's it. You're going to hear that everywhere, but probably specifically that group. But I mean, there's a chance that you go Stutzman, maybe Aguebu in some schemes where, where those guys are possibly your inside backer. So you're talking about 6'3", 240, 6'4 and a half, almost 6'5", 245. Aguebu's dropped some weight and is moving really good. And then Nickel, you may have a guy there that's 6'3", 215 or so pounds um if if he keeps playing well justin harrington having himself a camp so far had himself a summer has embraced this staff strength and conditioning system i everything that he has done since he came back on board has been who is this guy totally locked in I, I hope he continues to climb because if he can play that nickel spot, like he, I'm just throwing this. I'm not saying like he's going to become this, but like that is the Isaiah Simmons body type. And that is where they played him a lot. Some of those, those positions. So that right there has me really excited. I've said it for a long time. That is the key to really unlocking a defense is that position. If you, have a stud at that spot, it is an absolute game changer. Yeah. I I'm going to I'm gonna not get too excited, but big humans on the field, Ted. <laughs> That's right. Big, large, long humans. I love it. All right. Now for, for call your shot, we asked we asked you guys how just how it has felt the last couple of days being an OU fan. And we we went, you know, in depth clearly about the Kale Gundy situation. So Ted, I'm I'm just gonna read these and then we'll move on to birthday shoutouts. Okay. Uh, this uh, I thought this one from Jody Manning, what was good said uh, we were so close to avoiding that thing, which seems to happen almost every summer. This one is probably the most surprising slash disappointing. And then Spencer Steele I think summed it up well, said a bummer. Hate to see a mistake from someone that has given so much to the program over so many years tarnish his legacy. There are no winners in this situation. Feel for everyone involved. I I think that's a great way of putting it. Yep. Well said. Yep. Totally. All agree. right. Birthday shout outs. Happy fourth birthday to Bo Charles Clauden. Happy seventh birthday to Sylvie Rose. To Sylvie Rose Daughtry. Daughtry. 
What a name. Happy 27th birthday to Nick Hines. Happy 27th birthday to Blaine McCurdy. Happy 32nd birthday to Jake Reed. Happy 34th birthday to Zach Patillo. I Patillo? Patillo. Okay, I see. Zach Patillo. Happy Did he put a pronunciation in there? He did. Yeah. That I would is I frowned upon. It is frowned upon. We like to look stupid. We do. <laughs> yes. We want the challenge, but uh, we appreciate you. Happy 46th birthday to Debo Langan. Happy 65th birthday to Toby Perry. Happy 69th. Nice. Happy 69th birthday to Gerald Rohde. Happy 74th birthday to John Papadotri. And congratulations to Reese and Morgan Ritter on the birth of Case Ritter. One more edition. Ooh, late a edition. Very special Love it. edition. Birthday shout out. To my beautiful, lovely, lovely wife, who I love more than anything in this entire world. Happy birthday, Aaron Lehman. Wow. Look at you go. Mm-hmm. Proud of you. I, I'm glad you remembered. <laughs> <laughs> she remembered. <laughs> uh, there you go. All right. Let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Loves has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED. T-E-D for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. Sopolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, National College Football Roundup. Really unfortunate news coming out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Wake Forest has announced that star quarterback Sam Hartman will be sidelined indefinitely due to a non-football-related medical condition. Remember, Wake Forest went 11-3 and last year, you know, best season in the history of the school, and Hartman and that offense were a huge, huge reason why. Man, I, 
it sounds like cancer, right? I, I, there, there has been, there hasn't been any more details as the, as we're recording now, I'm sure more will come out, but just the way that reads, it, it sounds like he's got to have to go through cancer treatment or at least that's how I interpreted it, which God Lee, man, what a, what a tough break for Hartman and what a tough break for that football team. Yeah, that's tough. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. Hopefully it's something that, that he can make a full recovery from, come back quickly. Uh, maybe it's something that, that they can get uh, addressed really, really fast. I, you know, I don't know. I know that it's frustrating for, for him and his teammates and uh, the staff and the fan base, but ultimately that is the football part is secondary you just hope the young man is is healthy and able to bounce back from whatever it is yeah and re remember he is i mean he's the face of wake forest football stud. absolute stud i mean three-year starter uh put up massive numbers last year what uh, over four thousand yards passing he accounted for 50 total touchdowns last season and just just from a football perspective I mean, Wake Forest, it's unlikely their backup is at a similar level, right? When when you think about the depth of things, I that's a that's a big loss for Dave Clawson and that football team. My goodness. Yeah. And you know, timing is tough. Uh but again, like at least you get a training camp for whoever it is that's gonna step into that role to to try and get brought up to as close of a level as they can to where Hartman was, but just brutal stuff hate that for everyone yeah he'll be replaced by fourth year sophomore michael kern who has appeared in three games completing two of five passes for 67 yards Four, fourth year sophomore covid wow. man that covid hey, year it's gonna be uh you're gonna be a 30 year old man as a senior out there yeah uh, so some unfortunate news uh for the wake forest demon deacons that is that's a big blow and unfortunate news for college football fans because Hartman, man, kids fun to watch. And that yeah. offense is fun to watch. So uh, prayers and thoughts, whatever you want to send, positive vibes, uh, send them all Sam Hartman's way. Okay, let's talk coaches poll. USA Today coaches poll is out. I don't think anyone has. Do you have any issues with the top three? Alabama at one, no. Ohio State at two, Georgia at three? Nope. And you can say the top. I don't have any issues with. Really, the top five. I think the top five is is pretty locked in about where it should be. Yeah, Clemson at four, Notre Dame at five. And some people may say, really, Clemson, with what they did last year? Now, remember, they kind of came on strong, figured some things out as the year went on. Decimated by injury. Yeah, and look, DJ Uyunglele, he just was not good last year. Now, Dabo, Dabo has really defended him publicly and we'll see what it looks like at the quarterback for his position for that they got Klubnik if he's if if Uyunglele continues to struggle but when you see Clemson at four I saw it and I was like huh and then I looked below him and I was like who would I take instead of them at four and I didn't really have any answers so I was okay with that and then Notre Dame ton back on both sides of the football and I think a lot of people believe in Marcus Freeman taking over. So you've got Notre Dame at five, Michigan 
at six, Texas A&M at seven, Utah at eight, uh, the Oklahoma Sooners checking in at nine as the first Big 12 team in the rankings, and then Baylor at 10, Oklahoma State at 11. So when you look at those 11, Ted, does anything really stand out to you? Well, yeah. I would pluck Texas A&M out of that top 11. I would I would probably I would I don't I wouldn't necessarily pluck Michigan out of the top 11, but I would let's say that uh I would rearrange that and probably have Michigan back at like the number I put them at number 10. Again, A&M is out uh and and then between Utah, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, I I think that I think that's a pretty good group, and you can make arguments to rearrange them in in pretty much any order. Yeah, I I saw that cluster of Big Twelve teams at nine, ten, and eleven, and I thought it was it was basically uh, these coaches saying, "Yeah, we got a lot of respect for these three Big Twelve teams. We just don't know which one's going to be the best one." So we're just going to lump them all together. We're going to default to Oklahoma, which I think is is how I view it as well. People ask me, why am I picking OU to win the Big 12? I say, well, history. Yeah. I mean, they've done it half the time. So I think a lot of these coaches, not only they have a ton of respect for Venables, but they also acknowledge the level of success that OU's had over the last, last couple of decades. But all three of those teams, a lot of change. A lot of newness, uh, the most newness in Norman for sure. But I I think that's about right for for OU Baylor and Oklahoma State, e- even with all the guys they're having to replace on both sides of the ball. Some some interesting, uh, some other interesting teams to note where they're ranked. USC checking in at fifteen, and Texas checking in at eighteen, and. <laughs> The the most interesting part about the entire coaches poll, Texas got a first place vote. Now Bama got fifty four, Ohio State got five, Georgia got six, but what of the sixty six coaches that or whoever fills out the poll for them? I I thought it was hilarious, honestly. But people were all upset. Like, how could you vote Texas number one? I think that's a valid question, but. Is some coach trolling all of us, or did they just think it'd be funny? I don't know. It wasn't an accident. I don't know, but it was hilarious seeing, you know, seeing that one all the way down at Texas's name at eighteen. I, I, it got, it gave me a good chuckle. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good. It's one of two coaches. It's either Leipold at Kansas so they can beat the number one team in the country, right? Or it's, I think it's Nick Saban. To, okay, I like that. What, to to use it as fuel for week two? Absolutely. That would be very Saban-ish. Yeah. Yeah. He probably didn't think, well, no, he probably knew he was going to be the only one, but yeah. Hey, guys, look at this. You know, I, they, someone out there thinks they're the best team in the country. And these are coaches. No, I I don't know. I, I, 
it's a troll job or something. I don't know, but you, uh, I could see Nick Saban doing it. You want to know my theory? And and some OU fans may may not like this, but is it possible that it was a peace offering to OU fans from Lincoln Riley? <laughs> Maybe. Like, hey guys, I know Maybe. I know things aren't good right now between us. I'm gonna give you this so you can you know you can put all the stats about how bad Texas has been over the last decade. You can you can make fun of them like, hey, here you go. It's a peace offering. That yeah. that's that was my initial thought when I saw it. I was like, I wonder if it was Lincoln. Let me just set this on the T for you real quick. Yeah. Um now go through the first place votes again. 54 for Alabama. Ohio State with five. Georgia with six. And Texas got one first place vote. So there was only 12 coaches that did not vote for Alabama at first. And Correct. we know, we know for a fact that Nick Saban did not vote his own team first place, right? I don't think you can. Oh, you can't? I or, I, I don't know. I would assume you can't vote for your own team in any way, right? That would make the most sense, right? right. But I, I don't know. I don't know the rules. I've never been one of the 66 Power 5 head coaches and had to fill out this ballot. Never have not had that experience personally. Well... I don't know. I it's got to be it's got to be Saban, but maybe you're right. The Lincoln Riley theory is a good one. I like it. It's a good one. That, that wouldn't that be nice? Like that's are we are we are we leaving out Venables? Could it have been Venables? That'd be funny. You, couldn't you see him filling it out and going? <laughs> right. I'm like, surprised. Like there's not votes like just totally all over the place. You know. Yeah. I I think everyone's Van- rivals been voted number one in the country. Yeah. Bama having the 54 meant it, it. And I know Bryce Young said it at SEC media days. Like it's a failure when they don't win the national championship. But man, everyone, myself included, likes Bama going into the year. So it, those are some high expectations. I know they're used to it, but it's basically, hey, go undefeated, win the national championship, or else you kind of fell short. That's, that's a lot, even for even for those guys at Bama. So we've barely dipped our toe into training camp and Nick Saban has already thrown out the rat poison uh, stuff, which is not a good sign for the rest of college football. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't help things when he called last season, a rebuilding year when they won the sec and played for the national title. So he he's had his part in that as well. All right. The other big piece of news in college football, big 10, I, I, I guess they technically haven't finalized it, but it seems like everything is in place and will be finalized soon. But the Big Ten's new media rights deal is going to be worth over $1 billion annually. Fox will remain their main media partner, but they will be adding packages with CBS and NBC. Sounds like CBS and NBC will be paying in the $350 million per year range for their packages with the Big Ten. And the Big Ten will be ending a 40-year partnership with ESPN. Uh, Ultimately, ESPN said no thanks to the Big Ten's final offer of seven years, $380 million per year, where they only would have had 13 or 14 
Big Ten games, and those would have been the second or sometimes even the third best Big Ten game of the week. So, man, it it feels like we, we've been headed towards the divide in college football of the SEC and ESPN on one side and the Big Ten and Fox on the other. And while you got some other players in CBS and NBC in this Big Ten deal, it it's pretty much here, man. We're we're at that point. It's it, it, this this is fascinating to me. I'm more interested in in like who's who's going to end up being the loser in this thing. And it's going to be hard to say it's the Big Ten just because of financially, the amount of money that's that's going to be coming in for them. I think this is a a home run deal for them, obviously, but I mean. As good as Fox is and as good as their coverage has become, like the big noon stuff is is awesome. But ESPN, like it or not, still is driving the bus when it comes to college football. And if they're not covering any of your games, I, they're not just going to skip over the Big Ten, obviously, but they are not going to be at the top of the broadcast. They are not going to be the games that they're going to want to cover the most. Why? Because it's a ratings deal. Absolutely. They are going to push the teams and the games that they are going to cover. And the Big Ten is not going to be in any of that. I'm I'm anxious to see how that goes for like narratives. Like if you don't think ESPN pushes narratives in college football, you need to wake up and start paying attention to how Texas and now USC get treated in the off seasons. Why? Because those are those are flagships that draw a ton of attention. Like USC, like ESPN has made it a a priority to push USC. They want that West Coast fan base back. So they've been shoving USC down everyone's throat. That's going to continue, and they're going to want people watching those games, not Big Ten. So the narrative will will shift. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And it, it's interesting because ESPN is still the biggest player in college football, like you're saying. I can't imagine they're going to send college game day to a Big Ten game to a Big Ten campus, right? I mean, this I, I don't want to call it a network war. It's just business, right? Why, why would they do that? Now, they've done it in the past, but now when the divide is so clear, why would they do that? I mean, there is a business component to this thing. They're going to push the games that are going to be on the ESPN family of networks. And you, you look at it, you you mentioned who who's going to be the loser in this. It seems like the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are both winners in this situation. Totally agree. Because ESPN, they're not going to have any of the Big 10. They're going to want the Pac-12 for that late window, right? They're going to want Pac-12 after dark. That that it that's valuable. They it would make for me when I saw this initially, right? Because big noon kickoff is going to be the biggest big 10 game of the week. If, if I was ESPN, 
I would put the biggest Big 12 game of the week up against that game. Right? 11 a.m. Hey, let's 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 get our our deal signed with the Big 12. We'll go head to head. They they can't just let Fox own that time slot. Right. And with with what they've got for the 2:30 and the primetime slots with the SEC stuff and their new and ESPN's new deal with the SEC, right? They're probably feeling pretty good about going head to head with with the Big Ten in those time slots. So if I'm them, I lock the Big 12 in and I say, hey, we're going to play the best Big 12 game at 11 a.m. Central and go head to head with Fox Big Noon kickoff. But yeah. I, I will say, Kevin Warren, man, the guy's reputation, it's bounced back. It's bounced back since 2020. And he came from the NFL. Remember, he was the COO of the Minnesota Vikings. And when you now when you now look at how this Big Ten TV schedule is going to look, it looks an awful lot, awful lot like the NFL model, right? You're going to have the best game at 11 a.m. Central for Fox Big Noon kickoff. That'll take you into the Big Ten matchup at 2.30 on CBS. We'll see if they keep the jingle or not. But then that game's going to lead in to the Big Ten's night matchup on NBC. So you've got three windows, three different networks, all of them paying you a boatload of money. He grabbed USC and UCLA. They'll be added into this in 2024. Kevin Warren, man, that is that is a bounce back if I've ever seen one. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm interested in in the other like the Pac-12 and the Big 12 ESPN thing for you know, obviously ESPN is going to pay is they didn't pay the what the three three hundred eighty million, so you, you got to imagine that they're ready to invest that elsewhere, and I think it's in their best interest to pay maybe a higher dollar amount than than you typically would. Why? Because you want to help elevate those programs. Right, but you have a vested interest in those programs having more money, having more, uh, being able to chip away in recruiting and in facilities. Like you want to help all of them get better. Like you want to invest those monies in those programs getting better. And you know, without OU and Texas in the Big Twelve, and without USC, UCLA, and in the Pac twelve, like they have the negotiating power to really come in and offer some low dollar deals. But I don't know that it's necessarily in their best interest to do that, to try and lowball it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You want, you want the programs that are going to be playing on your network to be relevant in the national conversation of college football. Mm -hmm. Now they've got the sec, so they're going to be relevant, right? They, they know that, but yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Hey, let's not try to lowball them. Let's give them, let's give the Big Ten or the Big 12 and the Pac 12 a fair deal to where they're bringing in enough revenue to have the resources to, to compete. Now, they're so, not going to be on the same level, but it's to, like you're subsidizing them. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like it's, you're trying to get that, that part of the industry up and running and it, competitive to where they can, they can compete in that market. 
And if you're one of the programs, like if you're Brett Yormark in the Big 12, you're going, hey, help me help you. That's right. Help me help you. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what those Pac-12 and Big 12 media rights deals ended up uh, looking like. We'll see what role ESPN has in that. But that is some big news and big money for the Big 10. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first... It's time to get back out on the golf course, people, and there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf, Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that's already winning national awards because their product is delicious. Tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. either. They're perfect to drink by the pool after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. Find a place near you that has clubbies. Visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. You're looking to buy or sell a house in the Oklahoma City metro area? Use the Ronaldo Cloud Group, Stacia Ronaldo and Maddie Cloud, or with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and luxury service. And that's exactly what they gave Gabe. Sold a house for Gabe. They found a house for Gabe's brother. They also found a house for Lane Johnson. We can't recommend them enough. You can reach them by calling or texting Stacia at 918 918- 671-6450, or you can contact them on Instagram at, at soldbystacia and at soldbymaddie underscore. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Uh, I had to go with Serena Williams. Um, man, what a legacy. What a history. 23 Grand Slam titles. Um, I think, without a doubt, pretty much unanimously has to be viewed as the most powerful, the most athletic, the most dominating force in uh, women's tennis history. And you can make the argument uh, in sports history, right? Like across almost every different, um, every different sport. Have we seen one individual that was this powerful, this dominating, individually for so long and doing it through so many different things, a lot of different barriers, a lot of different, um, you know, just situations that she personally fought through 41 shutting it down after this year's U S open. Yeah. I said, she's, she doesn't like the word retirement. Her career is evolving away from tennis. I loved, I loved how she put it. She, not not only is she arguably the most dominant female athlete ever, she she is in the conversation for most dominant athlete 
ever. Yep. And and the you know you 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 mentioned the singles grand slams. Don't forget about the doubles ones. Those are important too. I no think no doubt. No there's doubt. There's like 15 more of those or something like that. 14 or 15. So just incredible accomplishments on the court, but and it's similar. I, I, I think it's similar to Tiger Woods. Not not his a uh, his he clearly had just a massive effect on the game of golf. But I think both Tiger and Serena, and I don't know if there's a way to measure it, but the impact on minority involvement in the sport, right? Inspiring, you know, black girls to play tennis. I I don't know how you can even measure the impact she had, but I know it was significant. You know, obviously, clearly with what Venus and her did, but her, but Serena in particular. So while I think the legacy on the court is, is obviously it's, it stacks up to any legacy out there when it comes to sports. I think her impact on, on the culture of tennis and and what participation in tennis looks like. I I think that is, that's massive. And, And really the, the, the thing that is going to be the lasting the the most important lasting piece of her legacy. I hope she pulls it off this last uh That'd gets, be sweet, that, man. But the record's twenty four, right? Yeah. Uh, so to to tie that, which, you know, I in, in my opinion, she's already the GOAT, but that would be one really cool way to uh to have that curtain call. Yeah. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I had to go with Chris Sale with the uh with the Red Sox. <laughs> Just amazing. So the guy, he's already on the 15-day injured list after, uh, you know, fractured his pinky. But he now has fractured his right wrist in a bicycle accident. He returned home from a throwing session Saturday and rode his bike to grab lunch near his house when he hit something going down a hill, flew off his bike, fractures his wrist. Now, I I say he's the loser of the week because he missed all of 2020 and a lot of the 2021 seasons recovering from Tommy John surgery that he had in March of 2020. He's made 14 starts through the regular season and postseason across three the last three seasons, which are the the first three seasons of his five year extension that he signed. So. He's totaled 57 and a third innings over those uh, 14 starts. So here's the thing. I say he's the loser because he just can't kick the injury bug. But it's hard. it was hard to call him a loser because, like I said, he's in the third year of a $145 million extension, and he's only thrown 57 and a third innings. That works out to $1.5 million dollars per inning so far that he's made sign me up for that man <laughs> which you know he's a winner in that department but hopefully he can get healthy and geez have some consistency just don't ride a bike if you're a professional athlete don't ride a bike see ride in we a were, car we were talking about this before the before we came on in the nfl if you wreck your bicycle riding to grab lunch after practice, sorry, but 
that's not going to be covered under your contract. Uh, non-football injury list for <laughs> that's, you. <laughs> that's right, which, you know, receives no money. Yeah. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first... First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember, in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Hard Knocks, Dan Campbell, whatever. Watched it last night. Him talking about dragging teams into the deep water and drowning them. <clears throat> Incredible. Uh, him saying there's no light at the end of the tunnel. When it comes to trading camp, incredible. But the best quote of the night, and Aiden Hutchinson singing Billie Jean was fantastic, right? Especially didn't start well. He regrouped and crushed it. Very proud of that guy. But the quote from Dan Campbell, quote of the night from Hard Knocks, it doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. (laughs) I mean, just an all-time line, and Hard Knocks is back, Ted. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, I didn't watch it because I I had a lot going on. I want to be able to sit down and really absorb it. I love Dan Campbell. Absolutely love the guy. Uh, We were in Detroit together, and the the light at the end of the tunnel, that is so funny. I feel like he stole that from Rod Marinelli whenever we were in Detroit together. Because Rod Marinelli, he made it a point, and this is back before any of the two-a-day rules or anything like that. He made it a point to make training camp the most miserable experience ever. Every single morning, he started off with a quick video of, um, oh, what's the movie, Uh, Junction Boys, of the guys like running and jumping the fence to, to leave camp to get get out of camp uh and quit he's like don't jump the fence don't jump the fence and uh it's, it's so funny uh thinking about that and the light at the end of the tunnel quote is just hilarious yeah it's great but it's gonna be an awesome season of hard knocks i'm excited but my winner of the week tulsa little league 
baseball player Isaiah Jarvis in just in just a touching sports moment. Now, I wish the Tulsa Little League squad would have won. Uh, I, I wish they would have beaten Pearland. That would have been that would have made the story even better. But remember, sometimes it's not just about winning and losing. And they they lost nine four. But Zay Jarvis takes a pitch straight to the head, right? Hits him right there in, in the ear protector on his helmet. And the ball just got away from the pitcher, and you know smoked Jarvis right in the dome. And went down, was able to collect himself, go to first base. Anyone, and that happened to me as a kid, as a pitcher, hit a kid in the head. It 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 rattles you, man. And clearly, the kid from Pearland was was emotional, was shaken up, crying. And to see a kid that young walk over and give that kid a hug, tell him he was doing great, man. That's Sports, man, right? I mean, sports. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And love that it was a, an Oklahoma kid, which uh, anyone who knows me listens to the show, I always say Oklahoma is the sp- center of the sports world. It always is. Uh, here's another example of that. Fantastic. Um, but here's the thing. You still got to throw at the next batter in the next inning, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. You got it. You got to retaliate. No, still gotta that's retaliate. awful. You we're think that's worst. what he said? He was packing him on the back. Hey, man, it's okay. No, we're still going to throw you guys next inning. But it's like you, you realize when you step in that box, <laughs> it's coming right at your chin, right? Fair warning. Just letting you know. It's fair. But it, it's it been a long week, man. Long weekend, long week. That was – I feel like we all needed that, you yep. know? Yep. I wish Very- they would have won, but I felt like we all needed to see that. Very, very cool. Great situation. Which, I the one funny part about that was, I love the kid that was on second base, that as soon as his buddy got hit in the the head with the ball, was like, yes! Because <laughs> he's going to first base. <laughs> he's on! <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, that's good. Just, just make sure, if you haven't gone, if you haven't seen it, uh, go find it on the internet. It's everywhere. Yeah, Isaiah Jarvis. That was that was really cool. All right, for my loser of the week, thought about going with the Chicago Bears. The Roquan Smith situation does not seem good. This no. is a guy that you know. Remember, he was he was on that Georgia defense oh, yeah. when OU played him in the Rose Bowl. And when we were preparing, you know, when you were preparing for that game, you're texting me going, "This guy is insane," and he's an All Pro. He's arguably the Bears' best player on the entire roster. And he's requested a trade. Uh, he says the new front office doesn't value him. Not pleased at all with how his contract extension negotiation has gone. And remember, he is conducting his own negotiations. He doesn't have an agent. And I, I saw Ian Rappaport on NFL Network said the Bears, I guess, tried to put a de-escalator clause in the contract, tried to backload the deal. And when you read those things and hear those things, it feels like they're trying to take advantage of the best player on their roster not having an agent. And Roquan Smith, clearly, I mean, he took it personally. Right. Well, he, like, you've got to be careful in those situations. Like, you definitely don't want to try and pull a fast one on someone, right? Um, not a good way to operate. 
gives you a bad rap out there whenever it comes to other free agents coming to your come to your space if you're uh, a GM got to be careful there especially whenever it's a player like this like trust me you you don't want to just flat out give everyone everything that they want but sometimes there's you got to massage the deal a little bit because you don't want your best player on the, on the team saying you know what screw you guys I want to trade I'm out of here I'm not signing with you yeah uh Ryan Pace not a great look nope. as the new GM not it, you pay your best players. You you just you do it. That's how the league works. So the the fact that and anyone that doesn't know what a de-escalator clause is basically, that means the value they want to put something in there that can drop the value of the contract. If certain things happen or don't happen, yep. remember this is the best player on their entire football team. I mean, no one does that. Mm-mm. So I. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And it just seems like that has uh that has not been handled properly by well, by, by the new regime. And Eberflus, he's a defensive guy in the position that like that's where Darius Leonard or he's going by what Shaquille now? Shaquille Leonard played that position in that Colts defense. Like it is a pivotal position that Roquan Smith it's it's basically the position that drives that defense. So Eberflus is probably sitting there going, what the hell, guys? What are we doing? Right. And that's the thing is you can't blame him. Uh, I don't know how the Bears work, but he may be, like, totally insulated from that that decision and how all that stuff gets, uh, you know, decided upon. But I love that Roquan Smith is representing himself. I wish I would have. Um, You know, just because you're representing yourself doesn't mean that you don't have – one or a team of contract lawyers absolutely dicing through everything, explaining to you uh, what every little aspect of that contract means, what they're trying to put in there. Uh, you know, you just don't have to pay the as big of a fee, right? And right. and you can you can sit in there in the negotiations, and you know, a lot of times it's kind of handled as you're almost a third party to the thing, like all of the talking about you and your future is going on over there. You're not even in the room, so I like it. Yeah, also thought about going with Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones, and Hudson Swafford, right? Live golf guys that they they were trying to – they basically filed a temporary restraining order that would allow them to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs there with the PGA Tour, and a judge basically said, "Uh, you guys did this to yourselves. Live golf golf is paying you a ton of money, so no, which – all right, well, we'll see what type of impact that has on on the dynamics between the PGA Tour and Live Golf moving forward. But, yeah, I thought that was that was interesting. Those guys can't be thrilled about that. No, they can't. And I don't think it's the end of the, the legal issues between the two. But I thought the ru- ruling was really weird. It's almost like, well, you guys are making enough money at Live Golf. Like, you know, they're paying you a substantial amount, so you're not really – this hasn't hurt you, which to me, like that seems like a really weird way to enforce the law. Yeah. I, I don't think we're, I don't think this is the end no. of, uh, of this, uh, of this situation. So we'll see. I'm sure an appeal is coming, but my loser of the week, the jets, Zach Wilson, I'm not sure which one you would go with, but the news that Makai Becton, they're just mountain of a man, offensive tackle. 
has fractured his kneecap and most likely will miss the whole season. That's a big blow for that offense and a big blow for that team. Now they've got a guy that's played a lot as their you know, backup swing tackle in Connor McDermott, but and I saw that Dwayne Brown visited New York. He he's I mean he's just not the player he used to be right when he was when he was at the the peak of his powers in Seattle, but this is now two knee injuries I believe to the same knee for Becton, even though I guess they're saying they're they're not related. But this is a guy you took in the first round a couple of years ago. Is a big man. Has now had a couple of surgeries. Just you got to be worried about him that knee moving forward. This is. This is not what the Jets needed. Mm-mm. I know very little about the, a fractured kneecap. Now, is that like a a quad like your, tendon or patella tendon issue? No, it's like the actual bone. So your actual patella. So your actual kneecap. He fractured his actual patella. So there's right. the patella. Like, which how is does the, that help though? Or how does that happen? Is that like a is that an impact trauma? Or that's what I'm wondering if it's like because of your the quad and patella tendons right there coming over the top of it. Like if that's like a, like a separating issue, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about it. Uh, we, any doctors out there, <laughs> let us know, let us know how, uh, what the, the most common way to fracture your patella. But yeah, it just, it doesn't sound, doesn't sound good, man. And when you think about all the resources, it, because the new front office of the Jets and Robert Sala, it seems like they've been doing things the right way, right? And this is just, I, I don't want to make it sound like their season is just hopeless now, but when this guy is healthy, he's a monster, man. And, and to lose a guy that that has, you know, that has that type of talent that's going to be protecting your quarterback that you're hoping makes a jump in year two. It's just it's a big blow to that football team. Yeah, hopefully they bounce back from it. Zach Wilson could use some uh, some good news and and some good offensive line play around him to try and get that offense rolling. Yeah. All right. Episode two thirty nine in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday. Josh Pate, the 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 most the hottest man in college football media, will join us. Just a reminder: you can hear Teddy from three to six on ninety four seven The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Please subscribe to strengtheningok.com. We hope you all have a great week. Have an uh, rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.